Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Everything Under the Sun, the AccuWeather podcast. I'm your host, meteorologist Regina Miller, and I'm joined in the studio now by my producer, Andy Robb. Hi, Andy. Hello. Hello. This week, we are talking about hurricanes, but specifically, not just hurricanes, but major storms in the Carolinas. And they have their own unique set of problems that they can cause. One of those is major flooding, as we saw from Hurricane Florence and also Fran. So we are talking to Chief Meteorologist Chris Homan of ABC 11, WTVD TV in Raleigh, Durham, and Fayetteville. He's going to talk about his 28 years experience there and what he has learned about what those storms can do. And not only that, we're going to be joined by our own resident hurricane expert who's been on the show a few times. Dan Kutlowski is also going to be talking uh, with you and Chris about his experience and what to expect with hurricane season. Right. So stay with us. Well, I'm pretty excited to be joined on the phone right now by a very special guest. We have Chief Meteorologist Chris Homan of ABC 11 WTVD-TV in Raleigh-Durham-Fayetteville. And I know your schedule is busy, Chris, so I'm really glad that you could take a little time to talk to us today. Oh, glad to. Glad to. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's great to talk to you. And I know, you know, we're, we're getting ready to give our hurricane forecast here coming up next week. But I know as we're heading towards hurricane season, is that is that stressful? for you being in the Carolinas, you know, dealing with that? Well, good question. After last year, yeah, I'd say it, it probably is. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, because that was that with, with Florence, that was in my almost 30 years here, I going on 28 in August. That was the longest event that we've been on the air for a, a hurricane, uh, four plus days uh, nonstop. Um, so, you know, every season it is it's stressful. You, because you just you, anything can happen, but uh, I'm hoping that because between uh, two years ago the hurricane Matthew and then with Florence last year uh, that maybe we'll get a break this year. Oh my gosh, I know people down there really need it, and you know that you answered my next question because you know you're kind of we were discussing earlier before we started the podcast that you're kind of an institution down there after all these years. So I was getting ready to ask you how many years specifically you know there in the uh, the triangle and 28 years, right? That's what you. Just 28 right wow. in august right so we that's one thing that kind of uh being here so many years and so many different types of uh of hurricanes that uh I, I feel like at least i have a little little experience under my belt so i can take them on as they come but uh but yeah each year is different for sure but uh, it's been quite a few years well and the other thing about all the years that you've had there that i think is really Something that you can only get from the experience of having been in an area for a while is all the different ways that something can impact your area specifically, the different sectors of your area. And so I'm sure that you've come to recognize certain things during 
winter storms and summer storms, hurricanes. You, absolutely, yeah. It uh, it does help to have uh, so many storms uh, in your in your past to it'll draw from. Each one can be different, but uh, you're right. And especially here in central parts of the state, the the topography is different in the triangle versus areas south and east of us where it's pretty flat. So. In a case of a hurricane, uh, those areas are so much more prone to flooding. Uh, plus, they get all of the water from downstream coming their way, upstream coming their way. And uh, so uh, there are it's different hazards for different areas in these storms. And it does help to know a little bit about each of uh uh, each region and, and what the particular problems could be in, in a, like you said, either a winter storm or a, or a hurricane. Right. Well, what made you um, first interested in the weather? You know, when I was, excuse me, when I was a kid and I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, I love snow. And that was my, it still is uh, my favorite kind of weather. And I just loved how the snow when you'd wake up and either if it was enough, you'd get out of school, of course, but uh, <laughs> they close the schools, uh, depending on where you live, it takes more for other places, right? But there it was at least a few inches of snow would get you out of school. Uh, but just how snow made everything look so different. You'd wake up in that fresh covering of snow and it, everything sounds different and looks different. And just the fact of uh, the weather, uh, how it changes and affects people every day, whether it's in a small way of what you wear or a big way, if there's severe weather like we had, uh, this morning here around Raleigh and Durham, it, it impacts people every day. And we can actually give, tell people the future to a reasonable degree of accuracy, actually a very good degree of accuracy now. So I knew what I wanted to be a meteorologist since I was in the when I was in the fifth grade. Uh, I pretty much had it had that in my mind as something I wanted to do. Since you've been working in this business, like what are some of the most significant uh, storms that you covered, either either summer or winter? Most of them, since I've, most of my career has been in, in uh, North Carolina, have uh, have been here. There were a couple in other places, but the, the ones that stand out in my mind are Hurricane Fran in 96, which was so such a powerful storm, a Category 3, when it came inland and moving so quickly, and it came right up Interstate 40 from around Wrightsville Beach towards Raleigh and Durham, which doesn't happen often, a fast-moving hurricane coming northwest off our south coast. So there was devastation all over the Triangle with uh, trees down. We had winds gusting to 70, 80 miles an hour all night that night. And just to wake up and talk about a different landscape, I was mentioning snow, you wake up in the morning and people head out and trees are down everywhere, powers out for you know, a week or longer. Uh, that was the biggest uh, hurricane in terms of wind damage we've ever had here in the triangle uh that one stands out Floyd from the flooding in 99 in eastern North Carolina east of Raleigh and Durham in our viewing area up to 20 inches of rain and of course Florence last year will probably uh you know go right up there with uh, Fran and Floyd in my memory uh, and uh, and then in winter storms that uh January 2000 when we had 20 inches of snow, and I, I'm not ashamed to admit, we went to bed that night, everybody thinking we'd have about four to six, and we woke up the next morning with a foot, <laughs> and it didn't stop till there was 20 on the ground. So uh, that one, you know, that, that amount of snow will put any city at a standstill, especially a southern city. So uh, that one I'll never forget either. Wow, I know. It sounds like a, quite a diverse set of storms that you've had. I'm going to pull in Dan Kutlowski. He's our hurricane expert here. And, you know, he and I was, were talking before we came on the podcast with you because, you know, we were talking about some of those previous storms in the Raleigh-Durham area. So thanks for joining us, Dan. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And, and again, uh, Chris and I have been kind of moving, uh, working together, uh, you know, ever since he joined. In fact, I think 
Chris, I think I first met you at the station. Uh, probably been at least 20 years ago since. Uh, oh, since wow. Yes. Yeah, so I was either doing the morning show or the weekends. Yeah. I, I last started here. Yeah. We, we kind of com- we kind of uh, worked together through through the AccuWeather, but sort of not directly. Uh, so right. I, mean, I see your name popping up on products you send us and. And uh, that sort of thing. But uh, good to talk to you. Yeah. 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 One of the questions I have for you is, uh, as a uh, broadcast uh, meteorologist, uh, kind of talk about how the um, the ability to communicate the threat. Uh, think back when you when you dealt with Fran and then think about what you did when you were dealing with Florence. I mean, what. I mean, what goes, you know, what, take us through some of the changes that have, have taken place over the last uh, several years. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that, Dan, because we were just talking about this at work and uh, we have a meteorologist who, uh, she's an excellent meteorologist and a great coworker, Brittany Bell, and she's been with us a couple of years, but she's young, she's 28. And so we were talking about past hurricanes around here because uh, she's been in the market for a couple of years and she worked with us through Florence and did an awesome job. But but I told her how things have changed so much that in 1996, when, when Fran hit, we did hourly cut-ins overnight and it was just me on once an hour as the hurricane is roaring towards the Raleigh-Durham area. And once an hour, I came on and gave a quick radar update because that's really the only thing we had to show. And that was it. We went back to regular programming. And to think that that would happen now uh, the way we changed, we've changed, and for the better, uh, improved. But but we're on with Florence. We were on nonstop for almost five days uh, straight, and it was eighty something hours, I think. Uh, and uh, just twenty something years ago, we would, uh, you know, we just did cut-ins, and the, the radar we had was just a. Uh, the display from the National Weather Service that didn't have many products to show. It had some, but but you, the the overlays and the display and what we showed people was just like everything else in technology. You know, has changed and improved dramatically. But the way we cover storms now is is totally different. We didn't even have anyone. I don't believe we probably had a reporter on the coast, but since it was overnight, we didn't we didn't go to him because we just figured people were sleeping and they, nobody was sleeping that night because trees were crashing <laughs> down around, around them all night in their homes. And so we've learned a lot since then. Well, sure. and the other thing is you just didn't, you know, I think back to that time before, like really Facebook, Twitter, like it's hard for any young meteorologist to imagine what it was like that people had to tune into television mm-hmm. and other than television or a radio broadcast, there was silence out mm-hmm. there. You right. know what, so that's all they had at that point in right. time. Exactly. And now it, it, it is hard to imagine the, you know, the, even for me to remember that, uh, you know, the way we, we did things then, it was, you know, the way it was done. And we did go on the air and stay on once we realized that the scope of this was probably worse than what, even though we predicted the path of it correctly. But, uh, but yeah, you know, and, and we would be on uh, with, with uh, Facebook Lives now and tweeting constantly. And, and people don't need to necessarily tune into the TV. They can get it through all those sources you mentioned, uh, uh, all those uh, digital sources. So it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's like almost a completely different landscape now in terms of how we get the message out. And there's good things about that, and there's probably negative things about that. Oh, absolutely. Both. And I think that you know, when it comes to getting the information out and, and, and 
the sources people have. It's a, it's amazing, you know, just to think that, uh, you know, you don't even you don't need, you can leave your house, and if you're worried about the weather, you've got your phone, which will alert you to severe weather, like we had here today. Whereas 20 years ago, or even 10 or 15, really, you didn't have that. So that is the good part. The bad part is, of course, when you uh, interrupt a, a show uh, for a tornado warning, and nobody cares except that people in that county, and they all start calling you every name in the book on Facebook and Twitter right. and everything else. But right. uh, you know, that's the way it goes. Exactly. <laughs> and the thing is, is I remember too how ch- coverage changed because I was in the news room back in the 90s and then through the uh like 2014 i was in a newsroom so i remember how the coverage changed as well because early it was more you come on you give cut-ins later with uh facebook twitter with everything not only are you giving cut-ins you're also tweeting but then also you're upstairs telling where to put a slew of reporters on whatever different topics that relate to that so, so you're the man who's up there in the news, you know, in the news director's office as they're going through meeting, telling everybody where they need to be, most likely. Am, am I correct there? Right. It, it, you're absolutely. It's it's a lot of coordination, and uh, we, it, you know, we, during Florence, we were on uh, twelve hour shifts. So there are only four, we have four meteorologists, you know, and then as you know, some markets they have five or even more, and. Uh, uh, so we had two on when I mean, we were working three to three, three a.m., three p.m. Then I'd come in at three p.m. and and stay till three a.m. and and you know we had all uh, four of us splitting that up, and but it was a nonstop. You know, if we weren't on the air doing weather because they were going to the news aspect of it and going to a reporter on the coast or where there was all the extensive flooding, and one of us was was coordinating something on Facebook or something on Twitter or talking to folks in the newsroom or even the other media in town. We had a newspaper reporter who come and uh, came and uh, stayed with us for about four or five hours just watching what we were doing and wrote a very extensive article on how to, we covered hurricanes. But but we were talking to them in radio stations. So it was, uh, you know, it, it all flowed pretty easily then because once it started raining, you know, it was, uh, it just kept raining, but it was, we were able to sort of just manage the flow as each warning came and, and uh, it, it seemed to work really well, but it was a lot of stuff. You know, there weren't many breaks in that uh, those 12-hour shifts except to grab something to eat and uh, maybe, you know, uh, uh, talk to some folks for a moment or two. But uh, it, it obviously was pretty busy. Right. <laughs> yes. That's uh, game time for you guys. And- <laughs> it, it was kind of a blur now, I'd be honest, those four days that we were on. And I'd come home, at, I'd get home at 3.30 in the morning and I'd, you know, you're wound up even after working all day. So I wouldn't get to bed till like five and I'd sleep till maybe noon. And then I'd get up and you're just going right back in order. But it's all kind of a blur now of everything. And the, fortunately, we were we, in, in the Raleigh Durham area, we only ended up with about seven inches of rain in that four or five day period. So we were able to come and go back to work and, and forth. Uh, uh, such that, uh, you know, we weren't stranded like so many people were just, you know, 30, 50 miles south of Raleigh. It was a, a, a complete catastrophe with the uh, 15 to 20 inches of rain. So we were very fortunate. And I, you know, and I always count my blessings that my family was safe, my house was safe. You know, it, no matter how many hours I worked, it's nothing compared to what people were going through, you know, all across the state that uh, that that weekend. Right. And I know Dan and I were talking about, you know, logistically getting around the Raleigh-Durham uh, area and then I-95. Was that uh, Yeah, Floyd? that was, uh, yeah, uh, uh, there was parts of 95 and even I-40 that were actually closed because of water, you know, that uh, they right. had to close the roads. So where do people go? I mean, I-95, I've driven at dozens of times and there's, you know, millions of people on that road probably in a day's time. And you close that down. 
you wonder where does it where does the traffic go you know right and you know and you've been on 95 i was on it yesterday because i had to drive to myrtle beach for my daughter's uh, she had a dance competition uh and it's a nightmare on a sunny day you know i mean there's so many cars you're right it, it's like rush hour in a in a you're you're in the middle of nowhere between fayetteville and raleigh you know a rural yep. areas and the traffic is still like you're in rush hour in uh in a, a fairly large city. So you're right. It's already uh, busy and not really, it's, it's an old interstate. So it's, it's narrow. Uh, what they did, it was, it was closed in a lot of spots uh, around Fayetteville to the South Carolina border. If you needed to get to, through uh, North Carolina, you had to go all the way to Charlotte and then curve around and go back. And it, it was, a, a, I think an extra two hours or three on your trip. Uh, oh. If you were heading down state of Florida, Yes. Uh, for and it was a couple weeks it was closed wow. yeah it was, I remember that I was uh, that, you know the hurricane hit in mid-September and we were going to uh, Florida I was going to Florida in October and I was worried that the interstate wouldn't I wouldn't be able to get there the easy way up until about two or three days uh, before uh, it took that long for that water to recede it was uh, it was bad yeah they were it was uh, pretty much shut down in many spots in, in Wilmington uh, where it was shut down you know that's not as busy as an interstate uh, of course people in Wilmington it was basically an island for about a week they couldn't get out you could not get out of Wilmington to come up to Raleigh or get out of there it, or get supplies in uh, for a while because they were they were surrounded by water Wow. And that, you know, that that makes for another interesting question, too, uh, down in that area is, okay. so uh, Floyd, for example, that was a cat, two, Right. Right. Made landfall. Mm -hmm. And then Florence was a cat one. And we've been talking about this new real impact scale that AccuWeather is doing because you hear those low categories. And so you wonder if people heed the warnings or your messaging to the extent with which they need to, because there you have an example mm-hmm. where folks are stranded for weeks. You're absolutely right. And, and you know, we tried as I remember the four days before Florence hit, it was forecast to hit as a four in our coast, because I that's when I get a real feeling of dread, because I know what a three is like if it hits our coast and what it does if it's going to move inland. And, of course, that's when people in the Triangle really began to panic a bit because they saw that and they knew the ones that remembered, you know, Fran, and all the store shelves were empty like it was going to snow, uh, all the supplies. You couldn't get water. You couldn't get bread and all kinds of things. But uh, the you're right. We tried, though, once it began to weaken, which was a bit of good news in the wind department, uh, we tried to message – over and over, you know, this the, the wind is not going to be a huge issue on our coast and not here at all in the inland areas, but the rain, and we would show the QPF the, that was that was forecast from uh, Weather Prediction Center and all of the all, all the flood watches, and we tried to hammer that home, and the flash flood watches, of course, were up. Uh, but you're right, it's it's you wonder because I I'll be honest, when I saw it went from a four to a one. And it was going to make landfall. I was a little relieved in that sense that at least we weren't going to have the catastrophic wind damage. And I can imagine what a layperson would go, oh, that's one. We deal with ones all the time. A fast-moving one on our coast, nobody remembers that because we get so many hurricanes. So a fast-moving Category 1 that scrapes the Outer Banks, the folks there, you know, they, they, they like to joke that that's, the, you know, that's just a day in the park to them. When really it's not, obviously. There are a lot of hazards. But we get quite a few of those, and if they're moving quick enough, uh, you know, there's not a ton of damage from a, a weak Category 1 hurricane in terms of wind and storm surge. So it is easy to let your guard down, absolutely. And I think some folks did, but uh, hopefully, you know, with all the messaging we tried to get out there with the flood threat, it, it, it got to uh, 
more people than not. That is an issue with communication. It's hard because especially people who have certain categories of storms in their memory books, mm-hmm. they kind of unfortunately factor them all as the right. same thing. Yeah, they exactly. Well, the, the biggest right. issue is I survived this storm so I can survive this storm. And I think the problem with Florence was the fact that we had a we had a storm that had never done what Florence had done as far as in terms of rainfall. And the, the computer models were actually showing us, as Chris has pointed out, it was right in front of us that this was going to be a very, very uh, big flood event, you know. But uh, to articulate that and get that across to the people, I think was extremely difficult because once that storm, once the Saffir Simpson wind scale number kept kept coming down and down, people was less and less people that were responding to the storm. Even though, when Florence, uh, we you know weakened with with respect to the wind, the radial wind area, the the large area of winds expanded. And we actually mm-hmm. had, uh, you know, a large amount of uh, storm surge along the coast. Now it was not like a a twenty foot storm surge like it was with Hugo, but it was, uh, you know, eight or nine feet for a lot of places. And some of those inlet areas, especially like in the western portions of uh, Pamlico Sound, which actually had the highest storm surge, some of those people I think were caught off guard. Like the New Bern River, for example was uh was one area where people were just completely cut off guard it seemed like so i don't know oh, Chris, absolutely. It, it just seems like we need to figure out a way to get these people to respond but i don't know how we're going to do it. <laughs> it i i agree it's it's tough dan because you if you if, if you're right about newburn too nobody really expected because newburn's not it's about 30 miles inland but that surge went right up the river and uh, that city was uh, underwater. And in Wilmington, they had their highest storm surge on record uh, there uh, on a Category 1 hurricane. And I think the problem is if, if you, you know, it's easy to remember Category 1 through 5 and you think of wind. It, when you start adding these layers of, oh, well, the storm surge this and the rainfall that, the tornado threat, this, it's, it, you, it's good to have that information, but I worry sometimes that it's so much that people tend to tune it out because it's too much for them to process all these different layers of, of information and different types of, of hazards. Uh, and I, I, you're right. How we do that is, is a good, is a, is a good question to kind of lay it out uh, for people that they don't get so overwhelmed because it's a lot to take in when you've got a hurricane watch and a tornado watch and a flash flood watch and a storm surge watch. People are like, well, what the heck, you know, what, what do I do with all this? It's it's analysis paralysis for them. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, I've there's never too, heard that. That's good. I y- like that. Yeah, there's just too much. I know what it feels like. Yes, like <laughs> there's good. so much in front of them that then they're just paralyzed to react. Right. Yeah. I think you, you factor that in, and then they say, and many people here that you're right, when you mentioned it earlier, uh, Regina, they, they said, I've, I've been in this before and I've done a one, I've done a two, it's no big deal. And, uh, and the, I think the one thing that may have made people a little more aware here is that it'll be three years this year. But when Matthew hit in October, uh, you know, th- th- this was worse than that in some areas and not as bad in others, but at least they had that when we were saying, remember Matthew just two years ago, this is going to be worse for some, uh, they had that to draw on sort of a fresh memory. Well, I really appreciate you taking some time to talk to us. It's been great getting your perspective and 
Good luck handling everything with <laughs> well, the thank upcoming you. hurricane season. So. <laughs> right. Well, we've got some experience uh, to, to draw on, but uh, right. I appreciate it. It's been great talking to you guys, and I hope that uh, I hope that it's quiet everywhere. But I, I know the folks in, in you know uh, south and east of the triangle, especially. Uh, I don't know how much more they can take after being you know hit twice with this devastating flooding in a matter of two years. So I'm hoping that uh, they get a break. Uh, we all get a break this year, and maybe oh, your forecast when it comes out. Uh, you say it's coming out next week right, uh, right. you're uh you're you're are you our podcast got your, our, our next podcast is going to be the uh hurricane forecast for 2019 yeah. so right so i hope you have some good news for us in that okay <laughs> i'm counting on you guys right, right. <laughs> well tune in we'll make sure to let you know first <laughs> okay that sounds all right. great we'll thanks. tweet it at you. To you our thanks to chris homan from wtvd in raleigh durham of course you can follow him online at homan abc 11 that's h-o-h-m M-A-N-N, and you can also follow him, Chris Homan, WTVD, on Instagram and on Facebook. Be sure to tune in for next week's 2019 hurricane forecast, but for now, here's your AccuWeather Ready. Misconceptions circulating around tropical storms during hurricane season are nothing new. The rumor mill swirled so viciously in 2017's Hurricane Irma that FEMA had set the record straight about all the false reports about it being a Category 6 storm. In fact, there are only five categories in the Saffir-Simpson hurricane wind scale, no matter how strong a storm's winds become. The new AccuWeather Real Impact Scale for hurricanes adds an additional less than one category for storms that don't rise to a Category 1, but the highest is still only a Category 5. Some of the other widely accepted hurricane myths can prove to be dangerous. Here are five common beliefs around hurricane preparations that are false. Myth 1, taping windows will prevent hurricane force winds from shattering them. Fact 1, although 54% of Americans believe this, tape is not the answer. The whole pane's more likely to come out of the window frame. Storm shutters or plywood covering the whole window is much safer. Myth 2, storing your valuables in a dishwasher will guard them from floodwater damage. Fact 2, the idea is popular because a dishwasher is great at keeping water from escaping, so they think it must also be great at keeping water from entering. However, if your home can get flooded, then so can your dishwasher, according to experts. Myth 3, a few days of important medications, all that's needed ahead of a storm. Fact 3, better to have a two-week supply. Minimizing the chance of running low will require some planning ahead, but it's well worth it in case pharmacies remain closed for weeks after a hurricane. Pharmacies usually will allow refills before they would be due when a storm is threatening. Myth 4, opening windows during a hurricane will stabilize pressure. Fact 4, it's a common belief, but it's not correct. Buildings aren't airtight, and many openings through the home make opening windows unnecessary. Actually, opening windows and garage doors while a hurricane batters your home can cause worse wind damage than you'd otherwise have since the wind has to come in more forcefully. Myth 5. An evacuation order was issued, but the weather looks fine. No rush to leave town. Fact 5. If a mandatory evacuation order has been issued, experts advise you to leave sooner rather than later. Waiting until the last minute puts you and emergency responders in danger. Other myths, such as only covering water-facing windows or only coastlines being at risk, are also false. All windows can be damaged and all areas face potential risks. For more safety and preparedness tips, go to AccuWeather.com ready. For AccuWeather, I'm Holly Holdren. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. 
Be sure to subscribe to AccuWeather's Everything Under the Sun, giving you the stories behind the weather and so much more. New episodes every Thursday. Just search for AccuWeather on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or visit AccuWeather.com slash podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 